Hey everyone, welcome back to Hair of the Werewolf. I'm Lily and I'm here with Chase. What's up guys? And we are a paranormal horror podcast that likes telling each other true scary stories from all over the world, all while we drink drinks from all over the world. <laughs> <laughs> well today we're actually drinking a claret, if that's how it's pronounced, which I just found out while as we were opening it, is a different word for Bordeaux. And we love Bordeaux. Yeah. So. This whole time. I feel just, like I, I was missed just sitting out. There. Yeah, I was just sitting there not being drank, and I was like, I don't even know what that wine is. So You're like, what's a claret? Ew. And you think with how much we drink, we'd just be like, let's drink everything. But we were just like, that's not a word I know. Right. For shame. Well, now we've learned our lesson. Uh, never say no to a drink, right? right so I need to cheers it, because, yeah. it's uh, Cheers. I haven't done one of those in for ever. Mm-hmm. So, um... Yes, so... I don't know. Do we have anything to talk about beforehand? We do. Well, definitely. Uh, as we have talked about the last couple of weeks, our yeah. October movie month continues as Lily and I watch horror movies every night. We posted a calendar on all uh, of all the movies we're going to be watching on Instagram, and we have quite a few following along, so thank you for that. And if you want to as well, please do. Just go get the calendar, and you can catch up or pick special days that you want to. We've got a good mix of slasher comedy all other kinds of horror anything you want so you know maybe not every movie's for you but there's definitely going to be some good ones on there um we at the end of every episode we talk about the movies we saw in the previous week and the movies that are coming up in the week we leave it at the end just in case people are worried about hearing too much information about it or if they just want to hear the stories instead of us talk about movies so if you're interested stick around till the end of the episode and we're going to continue to talk about the movies yeah, so, yeah, I think you should stick around and not be lame. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and also, uh, at the end of the month, we're planning having a listener stories where we read your allegedly true stories, anonymously, of course. So if you have any that or you're... Or not. I think some of our friends are okay. Yeah, with... if they want, if you want your name, yeah. we'll tell your yeah, name. Yeah, but yeah. but just then... in case you're worried, you can even send it to us anonymously. We'll totally read it if it's right. good. So we have quite a few, so they might not all make it in this episode, but they will make it out in one of our listener episodes up and coming, so we still want to hear it. Right. I guess I should say, if you want it anonymously, you should say so. Otherwise, I might just say the name. <laughs> Right, right. Uh, it might just come out. Sorry. Uh, anyway, so let's just begin our stories for Absolutely. today. What do you have? Okay, so today I have something a little more fun. And because last time, the last two times, although last week was pretty fun because we had that game going on, but uh, I just wanted something a little more easy, something like maybe something people might know out there. Absolutely. So today it is about Goatman's Bridge. Have you heard of it? I've never heard of Goatman's Bridge. <laughs> okay. I haven't even heard of Goatman, let alone the bridge he owns. Oh, okay. Sure. Of course. Well, in that case, definitely you wouldn't know his property interests. <laughs> um, it's also known as Old Alton Bridge, located in Texas, that connects the towns of Denton and Copper Canyon. The bridge was originally built in 1884 because people needed to cross their cattle safely and travel between the two towns. It turns out that Denton existed because in 1848, one guy landed in the area and decided that it was now a town. He didn't travel there with a group or a family. I, I know you said 1888, <laughs> but you also said landed, so it just sounded like some guy just like parachutes in and he's like, let this be a town. Well, it was 1848. So the the bridge was built in 1884. But he, the town Denton existed because of this guy in 1848. So if Quite have, some time. Yeah. If you have dyslexia, that was really weird. But that's what happened. Um, so this one guy, like I said, just landed there. Uh, he was alone. And then also decided that it would now be the legal center of Denton County. And because of this, a lot of people ended up moving from the neighboring town into Denton. So it used to be an, uh, another town called... Alton, that eventually became a ghost town because no one wanted to live there because this guy was just too cool. (laughs) (laughs) So people just crossed a river and just be like, I'm going to live on the other side of the river. Yeah, it's like, oh, I guess it's like the legal center. You know what I mean? Like, this is going to be an important landmark or or area, so I might as well live there. Who'd have thought a river could be such a divisive line in a city? Oh, wait. Everyone who lives in Albuquerque. <laughs> yeah. West Side who? Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. West Side Ghost Town. That's what. Oh, my God. We're going to get shot. Okay. Half our so... friends hate us now. <laughs> um, yeah. So also, just real quick, I don't want this to be confused with another uh, city that is called Alton that currently does exist. It is not a ghost town, but, I, but it's not 
the same town. This one is located eight hours south of the one I'm talking about. So oh, so they're not, I was different. thinking maybe in another city, I mean, another state, but I was like, oh, they're pretty close. It's also in so, Texas, So the other yeah. one's like Alton 2.0? Yeah, I guess so. They were like, oh. We're back. Yeah. We didn't leave. We just moved. <laughs> For a second, I thought you were going to be like, not to be confused with the other ghost man bridge, and I'm like, <laughs> or goat man bridge. I'm like, goat man bridge. How many bridges does goat guy own? Yeah. He's a philanthropist. Is that the word for it? Someone who puts like a lot of money into stuff and <laughs> yeah, invests. I guess so. and... Maybe that's correct. I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. Okay. So let's talk about the bridge, just so you get some uh, visual there. The bridge itself is not very wide, uh, only about 14 feet and 150 feet long. That isn't that big. No, not at all. The platform is made out of wood, and the connecting triangular elements are made of steel that is also painted red. I think that type of bridge is called a truss. If you're into bridges, you know what that means. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Talk to me about my bridge fetish, please. Yes. Uh, this bridge was frequently used until 2001 when the county decided to build an adjacent modern bridge that could accommodate the traffic. Whereas before, they first had a pause, then honk, uh, right before moving forward. Otherwise, it would crash or you'd have, just have to, like, reverse, which who wants to do that? <laughs> But you uh, think you're better than me? <laughs> you just have like a little game of chicken there for a second. You know, who's going to get there first? I don't know. But uh, as fascinated as I know you are about bridge facts, I'm pretty sure you want me to get back to the story. So now I'm going to talk about why it's called Goatman Bridge. Now, usually I start out with a legend, but I think I'm going to start off with some more uh, personal experiences or rather what to expect when you're there. Okay. Out of context. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't know why I'm going. I'm doing it this way, Shake but we're it doing up. it. <laughs> so here are some experiences. Uh, when people go in search of the Goat Man, many have claimed that that they hear growling voices that is either coming from the forest or right next to their ear. Hmm. The growl will become louder until they hear it scream, "Get off the bridge!" It's like a little troll. It is a troll. Oh, I wish it would ask questions. <laughs> it doesn't. Um, In one specific incident, two friends were walking along the bridge for the purpose of finding the goat man. Late at night, as they stood in the middle of the bridge, both clearly heard very loudly a growling, angry voice telling them to get off the bridge. One of them left running immediately, and as soon as they reached the other side, they turned around just in time to see their friend being dragged and thrown off the bridge. What? This is a violent... When was this? Uh, sometime in the past. <laughs> Pre-social media? Pre-social media. Because like how the guy's been dragged off the bridge and they're just like, what happened to him? I don't know. He did. Yeah. Pre-GoPro. Like, this was not <laughs> recorded live. <laughs> I didn't get a date. It, it just seems to be like an incident that had happened probably in the early 1900s. So another common experience is hearing hooves run from one end of the bridge towards you and then follow you until you reach the end of the bridge. Ooh, very sleepy hollow. Yeah. The experience is also described as a life or death situation. So mm. as it gets closer, you have like this impending doom. Like if you don't run away, you're, gonna die. you're going to die. Exactly. That's awesome. It- <laughs> I like feeling like I'm going to die. No, but I mean, that, <laughs> Just- that's like... These are the stories that make it, like, scary. I know. I loved it. Oh, there might be, like, a ghost, like Casper, but no, I want one that's like, he's going to kill you. Right. Exactly. Now, those were some of the experiences people have felt when they couldn't see the goat man. Mm. Those unfortunate enough to have seen the creature rarely recover. The goat man has been described as half man and half goat. Often there are no distinct features, but can often be described as having bright glowing eyes, horns and a beast-like figure i don't know if you've already guessed it but this creature is definitely considered as demonic oh really yeah um aside from dragging people off bridges it also has been known to hit people until they leave the bridge although these physical attacks are not exclusive to being on the bridge sometimes they can be if you're somewhere in the vicinity sure now some people have been scratched three times Which many of us already know is a sign of a demonic presence because this mocks the Holy Trinity. If you remember from all the movies I've made you see in the past. (laughs) No, no, I know. I'm I'm very familiar with that. I have my own thoughts about, you know, maybe just three is just a special number and it's not a mocking thing. But no, no, I'm very, yeah, 
we've we've like covered this on this show. If oh not, yeah, in, in half the movies we watch, half so. the movies have covered this. Um, a lot of stories do this for sure. According to legend, there are a few ways to summon the Goat Man. You have to say his name over and over again until he appears. So basically, you just piss him off until he shows up. Like Bloody Mary. Right? But <laughs> Bloody Mary. Say one more time. Um, <laughs> you can also knock on the bridge three times. And when you do this, you'll see his eyes glowing from a distance. And then it will begin to attack you. So Oof. I don't know. Knocking seems to be the most uh, violent. Back when the cars were still being driven on the cross the bridge, if you turn off the car headlights and start driving across the bridge, as soon as you hit the end, you'll see these bright glowing eyes waiting for you. Sometimes you'll be attacked or sometimes you'll be allowed to pass, but that is a gamble you have to be willing to take. So I know that that means I should be scared of seeing the eyes. What scares me is you said back when cars were allowed on the road, which means they're not allowed on the road now, suggesting it maybe isn't that stable anymore. <laughs> so now my fear is not red eyes. It's of the bridge just collapsing below me, Indiana Jones style. And now it's a pedestrian uh, now allowed. It's safe. It's still like inspected, I think. I don't know the laws. But assuming all is well, you are allowed on the bridge. <laughs> you just don't have to drive over it because there's a better bridge and also... There isn't, a, like, a very easy access to it right now, from what I understand. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, these invocations for the demon are said to be most effective during a Halloween night. So, oh, wow. Yeah, there you go. I can imagine the town probably has a little thing about that, don't they? I bet they do. I bet they have someone patrolling the area, for sure. Oh, I was sure. going to say, or just, like, it's calm for everyone to go to the bridge on Halloween and, like, knock three times. See, I would... <laughs> But if everyone knocks three times, then it's not three. You have to do multiples of three. Just kidding. <laughs> do you have to, like, pause and then do it? I don't know what the rules are. <laughs> so now that I've been giving you this information, let me tell you a lovely little story. Back in the 1930s, an African-American goat farmer by the name of Oscar Washburn and his family just lived north of the bridge. Uh, there they lived peacefully for many years, and Washburn had actually earned the respect from locals as being an honest businessman. The locals eventually gave him the nickname Goatman, and even put a little sign on the bridge that said, This way to the Goatman. Unfortunately, not everyone felt the same way towards Washburn. For the time, this was still pretty uncommon for a black person to own a large lot of land, a successful businessman, and be popular with the locals. Basically, the Ku Klux Klan got riled up and figured since their life sucked that this man cannot have a good life. And so they decided to gather a mob. And on August of 1938, they went to Washburn's house and kidnapped him. They took him back to the bridge and after beating him up, they wrapped a noose around his neck and then threw him over the no. bridge. I know. Did he die? Immediately after... People looked over to see if he was dead, but they were astonished when they saw that the noose was empty. Hell yeah. <laughs> they looked around for any evidence of this escape, but they couldn't find anything. So even the water below was still. So Goatman's his superhero moniker. I would love to know. I would love <laughs> if that was true. Maybe he only goes after races. <laughs> um, okay, sorry. Um this caused major panic, and so, for whatever reason, the mob then decided to go back to Washburn's home and kill his entire family. What? Yeah, I don't know the logic of that, but maybe they were like, oh, he got away, we still have to punish him somehow. Maybe, These I don't know. People suck so much. I mean, did you not think that already? <laughs> no, I did, but I mean, like, you're no, just like, you're already the worst, and then they somehow find a way to make rock bottom get lower. You're like, hi. Screw you guys. Yeah, exactly. Completely. Uh, it's believed that after his life was taken, Washburn summoned a demon in his afterlife and brought it back to the living world as vengeance. However, others believe that it is Washburn himself. No, 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 man. <laughs> Returning in a shape that both fit his old nickname and the wrath he felt towards the Klansmen that night. Hell yeah. Heck Get vengeance, yeah. bro. So now he returns to punish those that dared to cross the bridge. Now, there is, of course, a second theory as to what lurks in the woods, and that it's that it's just straight up a demon who crossed into the our realm. Okay. Yeah. 
Uh, it is a common theory among occultists and others that study the different spiritual realms that bridges are gateways between the living and the dead. It's believed that something sinister has used this to their advantage and crossed over. Specifically, a demon who takes shape of a half-man and half-goat. Since these bridges have thinner walls between realms, Satanists have also taken an opportunity to perform rituals there. People that visit the bridge have often reported seeing physical evidence of these practices even on the bridge or within the forest. One paranormal investigative group found an altar and animal remains during their investigation. In the Unsolved Supernatural show, Ryan comments that when they spoke with police officer, uh, they were informed that the local pet stores had to stop selling cats because they were often found sacrificed all over the area. That's really messed up. What the fuck? There's so many bad people. Uh, um, yeah, this is not going to end well. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Okay, I was like, <laughs> this is going to get worse? Um, this is considered to be uh, one of the most popular theories as to why the bridge is being haunted by this evil entity. With, and also, with a large number of satanic rituals being performed in the area, it's safe to assume that that some of those may not have been executed well. Already, the rituals itself is scary enough. So, just imagine what would happen if a session went wrong. Right? I mean, obviously, at this point, we're just assuming that everyone's, like, a professional Satanist or, like, or not a witch doctor, but, like, you know, something equivalent. I don't know what they're called. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Like, you know what I mean? So, with that said, uh, there is actually a few things that people assume or, like, through investigation or mediums that go there and blah, 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 have collected some information to provide who else might be inhabiting the area. All right. So not just Mr. Goatman made it across. There has been a ghostly woman seen wandering in the woods. She is often heard laughing in a maniacal tone <laughs> and has been known to also cause physical harm. So uh, could it just be La Llorona? Oh my God. I was about to say that I did see an article where they thought maybe it was. It's right next to a river I and mean, there's woods and, and she's it's crying. Texas, I guess, it's still kind of. <laughs> I don't know. Near. <laughs> <laughs> sort of. Um, <laughs> it's got to be close because Lyrona does not cross cultural bounds very well. Yeah, okay. it's, so it's in like, it's close to Dallas. Oh, that's really far. That's from pretty Mexico. far. Yeah, exactly. She just get tired. She's like, I'll <laughs> settle for the kids this way. <laughs> I think the goat man's got it. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> now, I have read that some people believe that this woman might be the wife of the farmer, Oscar Washburn, because as you remember, the entire family did die that night as well, so she might be back for vengeance herself. Okay. At night, people have also reported seeing strange lights coming from all parts of the woods. That's just like a common experience. Probably just UFOs or orbs. Orb central, I think. Orbs. <laughs> this uh, Now, this fact freaks me out. Uh, there's an unproportionately large number of people reported missing in the area. I didn't get a lot of information of, on this, but it sounds like they also don't find any bodies. So if it is a supernatural occurrence, then it could be that it's not just dragging your soul your whole body. But your entire existence. Yeah. Disappearing into the poltergeist realm or whatever. Yeah, you're just like, zip, yeah, off you go. <laughs> into the portal. There's all these serial killers who are like, I need to learn this black magic. I know. <laughs> you're like, they're like, wait, where is this uh, bridge again? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Gotta get my business on. <laughs> um, it's advised that people be careful when walking in the area because there are a lot of unknown spirits living in those woods. People who go finding the goat man may not be realizing that it is not the only one threatening your life. I was able to gather some personal experiences and true recorded events. Heck yeah. So here are some of them. On July 8th, 1960, a series of fires broke out in the area near Old Alton Bridge. Uh, initially, it was suspected that a slave rebellion had been responsible for setting the fires, despite, did I say 1860, right? I think that's what I heard, yeah. Okay, good. Sorry, I always have to like double check myself. You might have said 1960. <laughs> That's why I was like, wait. But for clarification, 1860. It's 1860, y'all. Um, despite their, so despite this whole entire theory, a newspaper printed that a group of slaves had come forward and confessed of these crimes, also something that they made up. This article sparked fear in nearby towns and believed that the rebellion group would come out and kidnap, rape, and murder their families. You can only guess the havoc these lies would have created. 
moms formed and went out to find black people that they thought could have been involved in these fires. But since the whole thing was not true, they basically went out and murdered people. That's awful. Yeah. Now, these murders did spark like a similar legend from the Washburn incident. One of the victims that night uh, was Jack Kendall, who was a Creole goat herder. He was taken to the bridge and hung, but when the locals went over to check if he was dead, they saw that his head was separating from his body. Then through the magic of voodoo, this was like kind of a straight quote because I didn't didn't know how they came to that conclusion, but that's just what they said. Um, Old-timey whatever. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Sure. Um, Through the magic of voodoo, his body began to float back onto the bridge and then land next to a goat. It then ripped off the head of the goat and placed it on himself, Hmm. taking a new form. The goat man then chased after his killers and took his vengeance. Okay, that actually, like, <laughs> I don't think it's voodoo, but that would right. be a really awesome scene to see in a movie. Yeah, I was like, I don't know if voodoo would be like, I don't know, I don't remember that ritual or, like, spell, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's we'll like, go with it. It's like, not this head, I have a better head. <laughs> um, so... Another incident, on November 15th, 1967, police were informed that there was an abandoned car. Not, next- this one's, an, oh, you said car. I was like, are we in the right century <laughs> this, is- this time? Okay. <laughs> you but you said car. All right. Me and my 19s. No, this is <laughs> 1967 for sure. Uh, was found abandoned, this car, on the old Alton Bridge. Police were wary at the site because by this point they have had already many missing persons reports in very similar fashion that month. I honestly couldn't find a lot of information on this. I was hoping to find an article or something, but I couldn't. So if someone out there is way better, see if you can, but otherwise, (laughs) otherwise I really couldn't. (laughs) This is another personal story. I actually got from an article called old Alton bridge, Goldman's Denton, Texas by Mushu Jenny. And this is like something that she just wrote. He, I actually don't know. Anyway, uh, they said, quote, one night, I took a ride out to Goatman's with some friends, and I was in my early 20s. We pulled up to the bridge, and there was a car wreck. The windshield was shattered. There was two very large young men completely freaked out, uh, talking about a guy with a huge goat head that smashed into their, w- into their window. We called the cops, and they arrived on the scene to check out, uh, check both of them and the situation. Sure. They weren't drinking, so that ruled out my first assumption. <laughs> they were all just hammered. <laughs> yeah. The police thought it was something, uh, someone playing a prank, but I I can say those boys felt completely different. It was often you could see car wrecks on the bridge. I figure mostly from fear or drinking, but that night took the cake. Um, you can just imagine, like, oh, man, my dad's going to kill me. Say it was a big goat. We're on the goat bridge. <laughs> we're already here. Goat did it. Alibi done. <laughs> <laughs> This same person said that they had another encounter years later, and they said, quote, Some years later, I visited with my good friend Denise. It was Halloween night at midnight. We took a ride out there. We walked the bridge, which, for some reason that night, I didn't want to be there. Something felt wrong. Then we proceeded down the tunnel of trees. Once in the tunnel, and with new technology in hand, I turned on the voice recorder. I started asking questions. I got something unexpected, a very loud scream and mm. someone telling us to leave. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. We heard it r- in real time and captured it on the recorder, end quote. That's awesome. I know. <laughs> Did you hear it? I didn't. Well, it wasn't posted, so I don't know. Mm. Maybe, like, her phone fell in a toilet. It happens, okay? Typical, like, I have a recording. <laughs> then show it, man. <laughs> um. So one thing to note, sometimes when people have gone into the woods, whether it's at night or in the day, they report feeling like they all of a sudden overcome with violent emotions. One paranormal investigation team reported that one of their members had a psychotic episode where she had vivid visions of killing her entire team. She said that the images were forced into her head and she could recall details on how she would have killed every single one of them. Dang. So it must have been like all-consuming kind of thing, you know? This is just a random fact, uh, but paranormal investigators who have gathered evidence like EVP, in a weird coincidence, the name Steve 
often comes up. Steve. <laughs> Steve. I thought I'd mention this because I'm going to talk about what evidence the unsolved supernatural gang had gathered. <laughs> <laughs> Goatman is Steve. Steve. So one of the things they were able to capture while both Ryan and Shane, who are the two guys that go out and paranormal investigate these sites. For real. Uh, they're walking through the woods and Ryan then stops because he thought he heard something. Immediately, they both turn their flashlights into the same direction. Then you can see the foliage begin to shake a little. Ryan, at that moment, comments that he also heard a scream. Shane, of course, didn't hear this. <laughs> doesn't hear anything. <laughs> Although, admits that he also did see the bush or tree whatever thing shake. Then, during the replay, you can actually hear in the audio a scream. Dang. I'm not I'm not lying. I want to hear it. So, <laughs> so after this, they continue to walk deeper into the woods, and then you can see the audio again pick up a scream. But this time, the guys didn't react to it. A little later, Ryan hears someone talk. Uh, in the replay, it does actually sound like someone said, fuck, hmm. in an angry voice. Then as they continue to move along, they start to hear snapping sounds like someone is right behind them. And then they quickly turn around, but see nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Then they start pointing their flashlights all around because for a moment, they start hearing snapping sounds all around them. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. Was this like the actual time you actually saw more stuff happen in that show than ever? Honestly, it's one of the most active for sure. Shane even makes a joke and compares it to being like in a Blair Witch Project movie. He's like, (laughs) "Uh, why am I like, (laughs) he's like, what am I doing? Honestly, I think I would have ran away, but, like, I don't know if I could have done that effectively because I tend to get more lost. But, yeah, these these guys kept their cool a lot better than I would have anticipated. So the guys also ended up using the spirit box. In case anyone out there doesn't know what that is, it's basically a device that allows multiple AM radio signals to be picked up along with white noise to try to capture real-time communication with the spirit world. When you turn it on, it's super loud and super annoying. Super unpleasant. Oh my gosh, the worst. A lot of people have considered the spirit box as a modern Ouija board, though, (laughs) as I found out. Yeah, because people ask it questions and wait for responses. Exactly. And so, I don't know, like, we might end up in the future hearing about people misusing this and getting a little possessed. You know what I mean? Like the new... That's a movie plot right there. Yeah. Who needs a Ouija board? Technology, old man. Um, so Ryan and Shane use a spirit box and they ask, is the goat man out here? It then responds with goat man. And then they ask, is Steve here? To which almost immediately you can hear it say bridge and then Steve. That's weird. I think it's a little weird. Maybe it's picking up like feedback from their microphones. Maybe, but. So, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. So after all of this, they then decide to do an actual Ouija board ceremony on the bridge. (laughs) Let's go old school, too. I know. This isn't working. The guys ask if the goat man is with them. And then the planchette slowly, like, I could barely tell myself, but it does eventually kind of make its way towards an S, which they thought would eventually spell as Steve, but nothing else happened. Or they could have been saying sexy time. Sexy. (laughs) You never know. Or Shane. Yeah, be oh, like, or Shane. You never yeah. know these spirits. Exactly. So, obviously, there were other paranormal groups have gone out there. I was not able to watch the show or the episode for them, but it is definitely something worth looking into if you guys have Discovery Plus or I forgot what... What, um, what of the million services it's on. That they all are on now, but... It seems like everyone has been out there, so I just... It's a very fun and active area. Well, it's near Dallas. We have some friends out there. Maybe if we make it out there, you and me can make a detour and and cross <laughs> and cross this bridge on foot. Yes. At night. And maybe we could have name tags that say my name is Steve and see what happens. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm Steve. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I've never heard of Goatman Bridge. Yeah. But this is awesome. But that's my story. That's a really good one. The fact that BuzzFeed Unsolved got activity there i'm like they never get activity it's always nothing <laughs> so the fact that they got that kind of makes me interested i think that's cool it's a really good episode that one i do recommend that one's just on youtube so definitely do it heck yeah yay oh um, they're coming to their last season sadness but yeah. i think actually the first episode already aired yeah they just started yeah, it, yeah. yeah. <gasps> we need to catch up well that was a good story 
I think I've got a big story, too. So, you know, without further delay, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. And I've got one for you. Okay, so we're back. We poured more wine and I think we're ready for your story, Chase. And today it's been a while. It's time for an end of episode encounter, counter. Today's story is actually a very special story, not because it's an after-school special, but because it is an event that inspired the movie Fire in the Sky. Now, for those of you that don't know Lily personally, she regards this as one of the few movies that actually scares her and was quite possibly the scariest movie she saw as a kid. Yeah, uh, that is definitely a fact. I have been waiting to do this story for quite some time, but this episode, like all our episodes, comes out on a Sunday, or comes out on a Saturday. Saturday. (laughs) Uh, We try, anyway. It just so happens that this Saturday's movie for our October film month is Fire in the Sky. So I can't think of a more fitting time to do this story, so if one was so inclined, they could hear about the real story here and then watch the Hollywood version after, or in whatever direction you want. I'm so glad you're doing it. So honestly, like, I didn't put it on there for you to do it, but, like, I thought maybe you would. Worked out perfectly. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I'm both terrified and excited. Okay, go. This event has come to be known as the Travis Walton UFO Incident, and it took place on November 5th, 1975. Travis Walton was a 22-year-old forestry worker, which is not to be confused with strictly a logger or lumberjack, although removing trees is definitely part of their job. The end goal is to improve the quality of trees and the forest in general. He was working crew that was in charge of timber stand improvement in the Apache Sitgreaves National Forest, maybe it's Sitgreaves, which is located in the central eastern section of Arizona, kind of near a town called Snowflake. Hmm. They were removing trees and brush to limit fire dangers. The whole crew had been a little behind, so they were working later than usual, all the way till the sun was setting. Mm. When they decided to call it quits late on this particular Wednesday, Travis and the other six piled into a truck and began to head back to town. That's either a big truck or they're six small dudes. Yeah, Um, I was going to say. Well, I mean, if it's a truck, they can just, like, ride in the back, can't they? Yeah, I guess since this isn't 75, they probably, like, they're probably, like, bench seats, so I guess you could fit seven people though no i meant like not bench seats i mean like literally in the back oh i didn't think about that maybe they do it yeah i mean on the bed i think this is even before we had seatbelt mandate law so you could get away with it i mean people do it now so it's true it's true (laughs) they were traveling on a nondescript dirt road through thick tree cover when they noticed something strange they spotted a light in the distance coming through the trees They were curious, but not overly alarmed. According to Walton, it was deer hunting season, so seeing lights like flashlights wasn't necessarily a nefarious thing. Mm. And some of the other crew initially thought it could have been the moon at that particular angle. However, as they got closer, they realized neither of these were the case. Mm. The light got brighter, and they all seemed very curious as to what it was. It wasn't long before the car broke into a clearing where the source of the light was. What they found was a large object floating above the ground. It was described as being a saucer-shaped metallic glowing disc around 40 feet in diameter. It was also emitting strange high-pitched sounds that were unintelligible. The clearing itself appeared to have a soft golden glow to it as well. Walton was curious about the object and decided to ignore common sense and leave the truck and approach the UFO. Mm -hmm. Of course. Yeah. Even Walton wasn't sure why he did this in, you know, (laughs) but according to the others, Walton was racing out of the vehicle before it had even reached a complete (gasps) stop. He was eager. Was it like compelling him or he's just like, what, what's up? Like, what is happening? It's weird behavior, if you ask me. Just anyone. Like, you see something you don't understand, you don't typically run towards it. Maybe this guy just has a death wish or maybe he's into it. Yeah. There's some confusing parts about this story. Finally, something exciting. I don't know. My life is so boring. A light. (laughs) He's like a moth, just got to get to it. Aw, maybe he is a moth man. (laughs) A different kind of moth man. None of his fellow co-workers would follow, instead choosing to stay in the relative safety of the vehicle. Walton claimed that he was pretty sure the object would take off and leave as soon as he approached it. But as Walton rushed towards the UFO, his co-workers began to curse and yell at him to come back to the truck. Mm -hmm. The closer Walton got, the louder the noise became. When Walton was around eight feet from the object, it began to move. 
Startled, Walton jumped for cover under a nearby log. God. After a moment of clarity, he could hear all his coworkers screaming, let's go, let's go, let's go. And Walton began to stand up and run back to the truck. It is at this moment that a visible light beam emitted from the UFO striking Walton, causing a numbness throughout his body. According to the other workers, when the light hit him, the impact threw him 20 feet into the air. Whoa. The crew recalled that at that moment, they believed Walton was likely dead. Obviously terrified, the six other men felt that this was an appropriate time to leave. (laughs) Little did they know Uh, that Walton was indeed alive and merely unconscious. They had left him to a rather grim fate. As the six men fled, they noticed when looking back that the lights rose up and then sped off in a northeasterly direction. So then it left immediately after they did? Allegedly, yeah. Okay. It should also be noticed that the initial saucer was allegedly seen by more people than just these seven forestry workers. According to a recent interview, the sheriff had files that contained other witness accounts of a UFO or light in the area around the time. These witnesses ranged from fishermen all the way to hunters, one of which was actually in military intelligence. Hmm. After several minutes of driving, panic began to subside and several of the crew members began to rethink the situation. Some of them were decently close with Walton and even one of them was Walton's best friend. They decided to turn back and see if Walton was still alive. When they returned to the clearing, the ship was gone. They searched high and low, but Walton was nowhere to be found. They raced how long the- after? Do you, did they say how long after? Maybe? I think it like- was, I think we're talking like he, it, one guy mentioned like maybe a mile down the road. So we're probably oh. talking five ten minutes. Maybe okay. Maybe it's it was a pretty rapid thing according to them. Sure. They might be saying that because they don't want to sound like assholes. They're like we went home and then we went back. <laughs> But they couldn't find him. Right. And so they decided to race back to town to bring the matter to the authorities. When the sheriff came to interrogate them, he remarked that they all appeared to be very distressed. Some of them were even crying. The youngest of the workers was only 17 at the time. Holy shit. As one could imagine, the story they told was not falling on welcoming ears. The sheriff was understandably suspicious and immediately suspected foul play. A search party was launched in the area surrounding the alleged abduction site. Not only was nobody found, but according to the sheriff, no evidence whatsoever was found to suggest that anything had happened to Walton or that anyone had even been there. Really? The police had a missing person and six people who were all the last to see him. Their stories were consistent that a UFO blast hit him with a light beam. And perfectly matching stories often only mean one of two things. That this is exactly what happened and all of your witnesses share a near identical experience Or it means that the story is memorized and completely fabricated. Mm -hmm. Considering that no actual UFOs have been proven to exist at that time or since, the sheriff understandably chose to assume that they were all lying. This meant that a suspicion of foul play was the next logical step. All six were now persons of interest and potential accomplices in the expected murder of Travis Walton. That's a... I know that's... I mean, like, I totally think this totally happened, but... That's not uncommon, right? Like, I think if you're the last person to see someone in a remote area <laughs> see, the and then they I'm, go missing. Yeah, so far I'm agreeing with the sheriff, but I've seen yeah. an interview with the sheriff. He's an asshole. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm just going to say, he's. it's kind of like whether or not he was doing the right thing. It's like, oh, you're just a jerk. Right. As you can imagine, things began to get progressively worse for the six guys as the world began to assume they all murdered Travis Walton, including the young 17-year-old guy's mom thought <gasps> they murdered. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> then, what a bitch. five whole days after the alleged abduction, Travis Walton's brother received a call. The man on the other line claimed to be Travis Walton and was begging for help. He was in a phone booth at a gas station out of town. His brother, Dwayne, went to pick him up and found him crouched down in the phone booth. He looked disheveled and starved. So this is like really close to the movie. Oh, yeah. No spoilers. I mean, it's already old. So if you guys haven't seen it. There's already differences, but there There are for sure. Yeah. When Dwayne approached him, Walton initially reacted like an abused puppy. He eventually gave up and then began to cry uncontrollably in Dwayne's arms. After a few questions, it became apparent that Walton was unaware that five days had passed and assumed it had only been a few hours. Holy shit. So where was Travis Walton? (laughs) According to Walton, he doesn't remember much about the moment the energy blast hit him rather than it was a numbness and he lost consciousness. Mm -hmm. Here's Travis Walton's description of what happened next from his first interview following the incident back in 1975. So this this is me doing my best to 
read his actual interview word for word. So you just transcribed it? It's a transcription, yeah. Okay. When I regained consciousness, I was looking up at a light shining down on me from the ceiling. I believed that I was in the hospital. I didn't make any attempt to move because of the pain I was in. I couldn't focus my eyes very well, but I looked beyond the top edge of the thing that was laying across from me, and I saw two men leaning over me. They had kind of underdeveloped features and no hair of any kind. I didn't even think. I just lashed out, and I grabbed a tube, a clear piece of glass or something, and I tried to break off the end to get something sharp to defend myself with. They didn't try to approach or anything. They just left. They just ran out real fast. There was a corridor outside, and they went to the right, and I went to the left. It was a very narrow corridor, and it was dimly lit everywhere. I went into this room that you could even see the stars back through the wall I had just come through. And there was nothing in the room but a chair with some controls and knobs and things. I heard somebody come in, and I turned around. It was a man. He wasn't like the other creatures or whatever at all. Yeah, he wasn't like the other creatures or whatever at all. He looked just like you and I, except he had a helmet on. I started babbling questions to him, and I ran over there, and he wouldn't answer me. He just took me by the arm and wanted me to go with him. I thought maybe he can't hear me through the helmet. We went through the door, and it was a large room. There was two other UFO-looking things. They were flying saucers, kind of, except they were round and oval-shaped and shiny like chrome. I was led down the hallway to a room with three other people that were like himself. I sat in a chair, and I tried to get the people to talk to me that were there. And they didn't have the things on their heads, so I thought maybe they could hear me, but they wouldn't answer either. They put a deal over my face. It was kind of like an auction mask thing. It was kind of clear plastic. I looked up at the ceiling. It was all solid light. There wasn't any light fixture, and that was the last I remember. I went to sleep until I woke up, and I was lying on the pavement. I looked up the roadway. It was night, and I could see the light on the bottom of the flying saucer, and it went straight up really fast just without a sound. I recognized the roadway, and I could see a light down the hill, so I ran down that way, down to the phone booth by the gas station there, and I called my brother-in-law. Holy moly, no. <laughs> so that was that was his recollection of the first interview, not days after his alleged yeah, abduction. That's, that's, an, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Upon being questioned by the sheriff, Walton was uneasy with understanding the experience he had. The sheriff suggested that Walton may have been slipped illicit substances by the other members of the crew, causing him to hallucinate an alien abduction, possibly even leading him to wandering the forest for days. Mm. Travis was conflicted, but after he learned that the others had seen the UFO, he felt more confident that the experience was legitimate and not a figment of his imagination. It was at this point that the media frenzy began. And let's be honest, why wouldn't it? Infamous <laughs> tabloid rag, the National Enquirer, showed up soon after the story broke. They offered Walton and the six others... $5,000 each mm. for being the best UFO case of the year so long as they could pass polygraph tests about their experience. Oh, heck yeah. They all passed the polygraph tests except for one whose results were deemed inconclusive. Now, to be fair, the polygraph tests were administered by the National Enquirer, along with people <laughs> from the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, APRO, which would one day essentially become MUFON, or as I like to call them, MUFFIN. <laughs> If we are being practical, the Inquirer had a vested interest in them passing, as did all seven witnesses. We are also acknowledging that this is a polygraph, which is a whole can of worms. Some people really believe in them. I don't, but some people do. I mean, also, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I've ever looked into what improvements have been made, especially from the 1970s to now. Is it, like, literally the same device the same, or, yeah. like, concept? I, I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. And and I watched a documentary, and they talk about the polygraph test for the majority of the documentary. It's it's okay. a messy mess mess. Okay. <laughs> if you do believe in them, though, it should interest you to know that over the years, Travis has allegedly passed five polygraph tests administered by three separate people. But he also failed one on TV on the Fox game show, The Moment of Truth. So. Oh, really? Yeah, there's okay, that. Okay, but he's also on a TV show. Very exactly. stress-inducing well, and, situation. And polygraphs are stress tests, not necessarily Ex lie detectors. Exactly. So, opinions have ranged greatly in the years following the incident. The sheriff remains sternly of the mind that this story was a hoax, even going as far as to say that Walton was a UFO enthusiast long before this event had even occurred. Mm. He argues that the UFO abduction story was an attempt for them to get out of their logging contract to which they were struggling to meet. 
remember, they were staying late. Right. And they all admit they were having trouble with their contract. Yeah. Believers often cite the polygraph test administered to seven people as proof enough that the abduction did happen, saying even, even if you don't believe in them, the fact that they all passed this test at least is compelling that these people are either really good at corroborating a story that's fake or maybe something Especially, similar Especially, I don't know, like, they all seem, you know, when you have seven, seven different people who aren't basically related most of, for the most part, right? Like, I don't think anyone's related to each other. In in the car, no. They knew each other, but I don't think anyone's related. Yeah, so someone had to have cracked or, like, it, it told someone, yeah, it's a lie. You know, you, you get drunk, you get crazy, or, or you get sick of it. Someone had to have seven people to keep a story straight all this time. That's impressive. Absolutely. And I actually, I, I mentioned that in a little bit, too. But, yeah, that's exactly what my thoughts on yeah. that. Yeah. Others believe that maybe he encountered an experimental military craft, which would explain why they had all seen the same thing. Mm -hmm. And they even show in this documentary one of the aircrafts that it could have been that was inactive at the time. And it kind of looks weird like that. Although I'm not sure how they explain the him home missing for five days sort of thing. How do you go missing for five days? Did he seem malnourished? Yeah, or? so um, okay. he had lost 12 pounds. <gasps> Holy. And he had five days of beard growth, which, I mean, that's just going to happen whether or not you're healthy. Oh, but yeah. yeah. He had lost 12 pounds. So the the police were like, oh, you were probably staying in a cabin, but there really wasn't a cabin in the area. Yeah. And he looked like someone who had had a rough five days. So, I mean, <laughs> unless he's like, I can survive for five days. And then he couldn't. Like, he had beef jerky in his pocket, but it wasn't enough or something. Right. I mean... I'm not saying it's not possible. Anyone can go five days without food, but he definitely, he committed to this. That's, a, that's a hell of a commitment. Yeah. Honestly. In 1993, Walton's story was adapted into the film Fire in the Sky, starring D.B. Sweeney, Robert Patrick, and James Garner. Unlike you, Lily, I didn't see the movie <laughs> as a kid, but I do remember seeing the full-page ads for it in the comic books I was reading at the time. They were in every comic book. Oh, yes. The iconic uh, stance. The, the, is the poster, yeah. yeah. Is, um, I remember the image so clearly because when you mentioned the movie, even though I hadn't seen it, I knew exactly what you were talking about. I knew the title. I knew everything. And I remembered the image. So the impact. It was a good image. Mm -hmm. They knew what they were doing. I never wanted to see it as a kid. I think it was a mix of not wanting to see something scary, but it also kind of looked like an adult movie. I, <laughs> and you know what? When you watch it, it totally is. It's not a kid's movie. I know, but I was still very scared <laughs> and compelled. Totally <laughs> so I think I lucked out, though, because it seems to have mildly scarred you. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> the movie debuted to middling reviews and a box office return not significantly above the initial budget. What I can say about the movie is that it has aged very well. The special effects were done in a minimalistic way so they don't look dated, and the vast majority of the movie focuses on the psychological effects of alien abduction on both the abductee as well as witnesses and the community around them mm -hmm. after it happened. And in that respect, it means even when you hear this story now, it's worth watching the movie because so much of it takes place after what I just covered. Right. It's about how they deal with post-abduction, whereas to me, the story was the abduction. Ah, yes. I wouldn't say it's a particularly profound or powerful film, but I do think it is good and worth watching to anyone who finds UFO stuff interesting or scary. It is the best film on legitimate alien abductions I have ever seen, which is a really small group of films, if I'm being <laughs> honest. Plus, I've been a D.B. Sweeney fan since The Cutting Edge, so there's that. Oh my god, The Cutting Edge. Toe pick. <laughs> Wait, well, who was it? Our friend Laura. Like, she... How did it even come up? And she was like... I love that movie and i was like where the hell have you guys been i had never even seen it until like yeah, you were watching you fire in the sky as a kid i was watching cutting <laughs> edge as a kid same actor but mine wasn't a emotionally he, wrecking adventure he touched us all as a child <laughs> in different ways in different ways that's the worst phrase ever anyway the movie does take creative liberties with the story, and it definitely leans towards an opinion as to whether or not the abduction actually takes place. However, I would say, after researching the story, I'm quite pleased with how many things they were faithful to. I'm mm -hmm. not going to discuss it further or the specifics of the changes or the similarities, because I hate spoilers, and I don't sure. want to do any spoilers for you. But I do recommend that if you found this story interesting, the movie's going to be worth your time. Would you say, like, they, they kept it fairly... Similar to the story, like, in the sense of... Um, I would say, the, the, the one thing I can say is, everything that can be guaranteed as being accurate that everyone else saw, you know, if we're mm -hmm. not talking about the actual abduction, but we're talking about the people in the community and how they were acting and everything, that's all very accurate. Okay. The stuff where it's only just a few people, that's where that's where liberties might be being taken. Sure. So. Okay. No, that that's fair. 
One thing I can say with certainty, after having watched lots of interview footage with Travis Walton, is that he doesn't strike me as the most convincing guy. Oh no, why? I, I can't quite put my finger on why, but it was easy for me to see why so many people dismiss his story as a hoax. The thing is, he, the way he talks, when I was just hearing the story, it's the kind of guy that if you were at a bar and he started talking, you'd kind of roll your eyes and slowly want to move to another part of the bar because you're like, Does I don't want to hear Does he just start rambling? He's, or not, like... he's not rambling, but... There Does it seems... seem like at the, he thinks it's a joke or like... No, not at all. He seems very convinced, but almost to a fault where it's like, you're really convinced and he kind of stutters, but not because he doesn't know what he's going to say, just because... It's so hard to describe. It's just... It could be something like a, a, an effect of like his own response of like how people have reacted in the past. And I don't know, like if someone doesn't believe you and then asks you about it or, or you talk about it, it it can get pretty intense. It's, it's true. PTSD kind of thing. It, it's true. But I, you know, one of the interviews I listened to was in 1975. One was in the 90s. And then one was like two years ago. And they're all bothering me. I didn't like any of them. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I guess I guess we have to all just listen to it at some point. But yeah, I, I kind of see what you're saying. However, the most interesting thing is the, the documentary I watched was the one where they had interviews with all the other guys, too. Mm. And what I found very surprising is that all of the workers' interviews were very convincing. <gasps> they were completely believable. And... Their stories not only matched, but they matched in the way where you could hear different people's personality telling the same story. Yeah, there was one guy in particular, I forget his name off the top of my head, but I was like, I totally believe this guy. Like, yeah, it, it, was, it, was, pr- it was pretty <laughs> interesting. So that's what I'm saying. It's not just, okay. it's not the story. It's, there's something about Travis Walton I don't buy. And I have a feeling that maybe the sheriff had a vendetta against him. But maybe the sheriff was just a jerk in general. That's true. Yeah. And, and you know, I don't know, like, with hearing about the other... Uh, participants or or sorry not participants what's the word uh people that were actually there victims witnesses yeah that they had convincing um not convincing stories but basically are pretty trustworthy they don't have anything else to lose or gain i guess in this instance but well they all have like they all had their age reflections on it which were very different Ah, okay. Oh, wait, you mean like over time? Oh, you mean their their ages? Yeah, because I mean, it's kind of like even though their story didn't change, the way they all viewed the incident now was so different because they were all just different people now. Yes. But the story didn't change. And I think that's really important. Yeah, because when something happens to you, it changes maybe a little bit. Maybe you cut it shorter. Maybe, maybe it's you, embellished. Maybe you even like say, you know what, now that I think about it, I should have thought this and then you kind of you know not manipulate but you kind of change it yourself a little bit but when but more or less it's the same story absolutely yeah it did make me wonder since walton had always been the focal point of the story since he was the one who got abducted that maybe it's because he got a little cocky with his story and just sounded too sure of himself to be believable like it almost became a performance and i guess that might be the way to say it It did feel kind of like he was always putting on a show for people, and that might have been where he felt a little bit bullshit. And that can definitely come off bad. I mean, if you have a good story and you want, you can't wait to tell people about it, people are going to be like, I don't know, is he just having fun or something like that? You know, I, I can see that. And then there was one moment in a more recent interview, and it was on one of those crazy, impactful shows and whatnot. He was being interviewed, mm-hmm. is where he took a moment to mention that he has his claim to see multiple ufos since this event not that he was abducted okay but that he's seen them all and he's like there's all different shapes like i've seen the triangles and the tic tacs all these things that we've heard about and i've talked about even on the show and i'm like it started to sound like he actually is obsessed with ufos and maybe he's just telling new stories that aren't there because who else have we seen that just kept seeing a million ufos wasn't it muhammad ali who he just oh, kept yes. seeing UFOs all the but, time. But, you know, yeah, it was. I, I don't even know where I was going with that. But, yeah, yeah, I think it was. But in the in the interview, it was really awkward because after he talked about seeing these, then he was, like, trying to legitimize them by saying, oh, yeah, there's been news stories about these. And I'm like, dude, it, it felt really awkward. Okay. Well, I mean, that's kind of unfortunate. Maybe he's just so consumed by the experience. Absolutely. This is actually pretty uh, PTSD kind of, though, yeah, quality where you just, instead of overcoming it or like moving on you tend to obsess and yeah. then and then you you don't even know reality uh and and obviously 
fake. So uh, who knows? Maybe, but maybe he is seeing stuff. I don't know. Maybe the aliens are like, stop talking crap, man. I'm going to follow you and make you crazy. <laughs> no, absolutely. But but yeah, I, now I have the part in my notes where exactly what you mentioned earlier. I think the fact that it's been 45 years and they haven't changed their story. I mean, yeah. if you've ever told a secret to even just four people, if you can go 10 years without it changing, getting out or being like, if this was fake, yeah. someone would have cracked. I think I think so. There's just no way. With that many people. With that much alcohol out there. Yeah, and one of them was 17, and he and he's the one who actually turned out to become an alcoholic. I'm like, it's going to come out. Oh, Never no, did. he Never did. did. Well, he, he got over it, too, by oh, the time good. the Oof. documentary. I'm going to leave whether or not Travis Walton's story is fact or fiction up to all of you listeners. Uh, I'm going to tell you it's real. <laughs> <laughs> and instead of what I used to do during my UFO stories, where I had overbearing criticisms and skeptical analyses, I just wanted to leave it at the story. Just the abduction, because it's scarier that way, and we're mm. trying to scare each other. Okay. The one thing I can guarantee you is if you are interested, even just the Wikipedia page is going to be full of skeptical analysis and sure. and ufologists and everything. This is one of the most covered UFO abduction stories in history, and it has been torn to pieces and built up and defended and everything. So if, if you're looking for the good critical analysis, they're out there. They're good. I just wanted to leave it at the story. It's basically like, oh, you got a good murder story. Now, if you want what the court and the arguments exactly. and everything, then you go look that up. No, this is really, really interesting. And usually even after, because I think I've read some of it, especially like I wanted to know the aftermath. I wanted to know like what some of the skeptics were saying to like make me feel better when I was like a teenager and the Internet was now available to me and being like, is this really real? Because I've been holding on to this since I was a child. And it turns out that even in the end, even though you're able to, like, read a lot of these things, the other facts still creep in and, like, they're still not explainable. Like, make you think about like, it. Like, why is this still like this? Or how do these, how do all these people still have the same story? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, how do you argue that someone has seen a ghost or not? You know what I mean? Like, it, it's was, hard. it was there or not. Sure. So it's definitely up to you whether or not you want to believe it. <laughs> I would suggest you should listen to an interview with this guy because I'd love to hear what you think about his um, personality. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we'll get to that. All but right. anyway, that is my end of episode encounter, encounter, encounter. If you like this story, you should absolutely watch Fire in the Sky. It is today's movie if you are joining us. And if not, you can watch it anywhere. I think it's streaming on a site right now. I think, I think it's on it, Prime. I think it is on um, yeah, I, I mean, don't remember. It's pretty fun. It kind of feels like a TV movie with slightly higher production values, but it's Woof. good. Calm down. It's good. It's it's <laughs> it's a good thing to do at night. It's yeah. Grab a beer, enjoy it. It is a very good or movie. some wine, some some Bordeaux claret or whatever. Yeah, and if you have kids around and they want to watch it, uh, scar just, them for life. They'll just turn out like me. No big deal. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, so those are our stories. I think we should just briefly cover our movie list before we wrap up the episode. As a quick reminder, this last week, the ones that we did watch up until today was mm -hmm. As Above, So Below, The Final Girls, Train to Busan, Shaun of the Dead, An American Werewolf in London, Pitch Black, and Idle Hands. Yes. So <laughs> this was actually a pretty amazing week. It was. I thought so. Uh, we had seen all of these, but it had we'd only seen Train to Busan once before, and I think As Above, So Below only once before. No. Oh, we maybe we've seen that one more. Yeah. But Train to Busan, we've always seen one before. I don't know about you, but yeah. And I can definitely say Train to Busan, it was almost like watching a new movie because I just must not have been in the mood or I was tired because it was almost like watching a new movie for me. Interesting because I remembered like a lot of it except right at the beginning and then right at the end. So that was very strange for me. I'm like, usually those are the most impactful or like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, Absolutely. you see how it starts and then obviously you see how it ends. But I remembered most of it. I don't Solid know. zombie flick, though. Absolutely. Super good. So this move, this week was pretty special because it had three comedies, Shaun of the Dead, Idle Hands, and um, The Final Girls. Mm -hmm. So, just real quick, what was your favorite movie this week? Oh, man. Um, not, favorite, not favorite movie in life, but this week, oh, no, the no, one no, you no. enjoyed the you most watching this week. You know, I really, really enjoyed Train to Busan again. Okay. I think last time, I, I think we were drinking. 
I'm just gonna say, it's I think possible. I think we had too many. We got home and we were like, zombie oh, movie. Yeah, and... let's watch a dumb zombie movie. And then it ended up being a lot deeper than we realized. And it was and subtitled, which what we we were missing plot points. Bingo. And so this time, I actually read all the subtitles, had more context on each person and personalities that I can you know apply on them to see where they were f- coming from. And it just made a world of difference. So I actually really enjoyed it this time around. I would say I'm actually going to agree with you because I I was remembering as, oh, it's a zombie film and it's fine. But after I finished, I was like, no, this is a top notch zombie film. And for sure, I remembered characters this time and I got uh, uh, attached to them. And I thought and that I got was pretty cool. Really sad at the end. I didn't remember Way sadder that than I remembered as sad. I remember being like, oh, you know, it's kind of sad. But I was like, hold on. Stop. <laughs> it's getting really sad. Now, was there any movie you were just like weren't feeling this week? You, you, we love them, but like you just weren't in the, you weren't ready for it. Let's see. Let's see. You know, I don't know. I think I was okay with all of them. I would say everyone hit right. I think An American World at London, I was really into. I'm always into that movie. Of course. Uh, so that one should technically be call, called a comedy, too, because it's half comedy, okay. half serious. <laughs> yeah. Every time I watch American Werewolf in London, I'm just reminded why it's one of the best horror films ever made. Yep. One thing I will note, though, so when we watch Shaun of the Dead, it's probably the most I've enjoyed it in a while. I've always loved the movie uh, because I kind of had this new notion that Sean is always supposed to be like the hero and you're supposed to see him learn from his mistakes. But when I watch this, I realize he actually is not only an idiot, but he's he. it's kind of his fault everyone died. Yeah. Because if he hadn't yeah. done anything, the only person who probably would have died was his mom and his stepdad. Yeah. I think I already kind of knew that. But you accept it, right? I yeah, thought... but, I, but I, I think the whole, they say in the movie, oh, you tried your best. But, <laughs> and that's not a spoiler. Everyone who dies in the movie. But in his yeah. defense, like, everyone followed him. So it's like, you can be an idiot, <laughs> but true. no one has to follow you. Yeah, who's dumb, the village idiot or the one who follows him. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess that's a point. I don't know. Um, I don't think there was any movie I didn't like this week. Uh, I think it was just solid good. Yeah. So let's uh, real quick up this upcoming this next week. Tonight, obviously, as we mentioned, we have Fire in the Sky. Tomorrow, we have The Craft, classic 90s witch movie. I haven't seen that in a while, though, so I'm actually excited about it. And maybe we should try to push in that craft sequel slash reboot it's kind of a sequel reboot that came out like a year oh ago oh my gosh the really new one because yeah. it takes place in the same universe but it's supposed to kind of just retell yeah so we'll, we should watch that one as well <laughs> for monday we have the orphanage subtitled it's from spain it is in my opinion the scariest movie i've ever seen in it's my life. your fire in the sky yeah not to be confused with the orphan which a lot of people think no this is the orphanage <laughs> it's spanish and if yours isn't subtitled you're watching the wrong movie uh, it's absolutely horrifying, and it was produced by Guillermo del Toro. I recommend it to everyone. It is yeah, terrifying. I don't remember the director, though. I don't either, and I feel guilty about that. <laughs> um, Tuesday is Pumpkinhead, which I can't even remember if I've seen that movie. We have, and I will tell you, it's been many, 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 many years. But it's just a creature feature slash slashery creature? Oh, yeah, totally. Excellent. Well, that'll be fun. That is going to break up kind of, especially after the orphanage, I'm going to need a break. Yeah. On Wednesday, we have Ginger Snaps. Yes. Oh. I love that movie. I can't even movie. tell you what that movie technically is about because I think that's almost a spoiler. Um, <laughs> but it is it is a teen movie. It's a gothy teen movie. It's got a lot of good but stuff. But it's good. It's it's uh, it's gritty, kind of 90s, you know. And like most 90s? Horror... When the hell did that come out? I think out? it came on the late 90s. Okay, I thought so. And I think because it has that classic cult following that horror movies do, it actually has multiple sequels. We've never seen them, but it has multiple sequels. I kind sequels. of want to, but I don't want to because yeah, I don't want to ruin... Sort of it sucks. Right. Then for Thursday, we have one that Lily's fond of, Hell House LLC. Oh my god, I'm sorry. I don't know why I love this movie. (laughs) It's okay, and I'm ready to give it another round. Now that I know what to expect, I'm going to see how I feel for round two. I'm not saying you're supposed to like the characters, but I thought the setting was really good. It's very Halloween. It's about a haunted house. Oh, right. So, I mean, obviously there's a basement. It's a haunted house. It's got the whole thing. And I just thought it did a lot of things well. And Absolutely. I, and I'm ready. And I'm going to give it a I'm going to give it a fair, honest number two. Yeah, it's been a while. And on Friday, the last movie for this upcoming week is The Mothman Prophecies, which is yes. probably the mo- it's more of a brooding, suspenseful movie. It's the least like in your face scary, but it is about a very scary subject. Also, terrified me when I was young. Right. <laughs> 
got Richard Gere in it, which you can't say about many movies, let's be honest. Well, not these days, I guess. Is yeah. that what you mean? Yeah, back in the day, he was like all over the place. Lily actually covered the Mothman prophecies a few yes. episodes back. So if you listen to that one, you should absolutely watch this movie. And if you watch the movie and you like it and you hadn't heard that episode, please go back and check it out. The episode's way more in depth with yeah. what was covered. And I really, I, I really had fun doing that episode. Oh, that one was awesome. I'm yeah. actually super into the Mothman now. Heck. I think it's really cool. We got to go see the Mothman <laughs> statue and everything. Uh, we have to go to the festival next year, September. Let's do it. Absolutely. So we hope you guys join us uh, this month for our horror movie marathon. If you haven't started yet, there's no time like the present to jump in. Mm-hmm. And if not, well, hope you don't mind us talking about it each week. <laughs> there's only two more weeks left in October, I believe. So that's that. So I think that wraps it up. And I hope you guys had a good time. If you guys want to please, please, if you want to submit a story, please do so at our email address, hotwpodcast at gmail.com. I really want to know your personal accounts so that way I can tell it at the end of this month, which I plan to do a special episode for. And also we're on social media. And if you want to listen to us on different platforms, don't worry because we're also on that too. And let's see what else, Chase. I, as you know, I never do the outro. (laughs) Well, I'm saying is uh, if you're not drinking a Bordeaux, You should think about drinking something, at least when it's safe and responsible to do so. Of course. But if you didn't and you drank a little too much last night, well, then don't worry, because the best cure for a hangover is fear. Fear.